Hi, I'm Daniel Sikalovsky, also known as Daniel Lesden, and this is the pilot episode of Ask Me Anything. It's a new audio podcast where I answer your questions on music creation, the art of DJing, the music industry, record labels, behind the scenes, productivity, tech, and other areas of expertise, and pretty much anything else, as the name suggests. As you might know, over the years, I've been pretty vocal about sharing knowledge and have written a hundred of advice on my blog. So although this podcast is new, here I'm basically doing the same thing, in just in a new format. Though I must say, it feels pretty unusual for me to speak like that, you know, just sitting here and talking to the microphone, as normally I'm much more used to written communication. So we'll see how it goes. And before we begin, I want to let you know that this is a preview where I share only a portion of the episode, while the full episode is available on Patreon, more on that later. So the first question comes from Zeta, and the question is the following, quote, I would like to see how a DJ set builds up. Is it driven by the mood or more like new tracks slash tracks you haven't played before? What a great question. There is tons of information about mixing technique and how to mix one track with another, which is very useful too, but I believe there is not enough being said on how to build sets to make musical progression using those tracks that would make sense. First of all, I think it's important to specify what type of sets we're talking about. And since it wasn't stated in the question, let me go over a few different cases. This will be a lot of rumbling, but please bear with me as I want to answer this with as many details as possible and provide you with a clear understanding of the big picture. So, generally speaking, I put all DJ sets into two main categories or buckets, studio mixes and gigs. By studio mixes, I mean music podcasts, radio shows and even online live streams. It doesn't matter if one is using software like Ableton or recording a set on a pair of DJ players, as long as it's not a public event with crowd, then I would consider it a studio mix. Studio mix is like a blank canvas for a painter. It can be anything. Since it's not a public event, there is no crowd, no restrictions of any sort, so you can play anything you want. And that is not necessarily a good thing. I'm sure many creative people know that too many options can negatively impact one's creativity, leading potentially to what's known as the writer's block. So I believe that some sort of self-imposed constraint is actually very beneficial and healthy for the process. For me, it starts with track selection. During the month, I'm always looking for new tracks, and usually I end up with about 15 new tracks I add to my DJ collections every month. And whenever I decide to create a new studio mix, I then use those new arrivals as a starting pool. That might sound obvious to some of you, but I actually have over 7000 tracks in my DJ collection and quite a few of those tracks I haven't even played yet. So I could use only existing tracks with no problem. Though as I said, that would be an equivalent of a blank canvas, so I'm purposely adding a constraint in the form of trying to play newer tracks. I believe this allows to keep myself in a good shape as a DJ, provides a sense of novelty and excitement, and it also makes the process of building up a set easier. Now, to be clear, in my case, not all of those 15 new arrivals can be played in one DJ mix. If you are familiar with the music I play, you probably know how diverse it is in terms of styles and tempo. For example, among those new tracks easily could be Deep House and Hard Techno, which don't always fit together in a single set, unless I play some of those extremely long open-to-close sets. So once I have that initial pool of tracks, I then boil it down to only specific tracks that I can play together in a mix that I'm about to make. Usually that's somewhere between 5 to 10 tracks, whereas the typical tracks count in my one-hour mix is 15 or 16. But that's okay, I usually fill out the missing tracks as I go, either from a DJ collection or by going for another round of tracks hunting on the stores. If we use that painting analogy again, those first 5 to 10 tracks would be like a contour of a painting, which certainly makes filling out the details much easier from there. Next, I typically put tracks by energy levels in ascending order. And this is just my personal preference. I like when mixes have that sort of progression when they start deeper but end up more pounding. 
There is no right or wrong here. Some DJs make their mixes flat, meaning they start and end on pretty much the same energy level vibe, which you can imagine as a flat line, and that's totally fine. However, I like it when the imaginary level line is a little bit inclined and is going upwards like a ramp, so I always think about which of those tracks that I pre-selected can work best as an opening track, which as a closing track, and so on. It's like connecting the dots, you know, when you have the key dots ready and connected, you start seeing the whole figure even when some dots are still missing. So once the tracks are placed on a timeline by energy level and I have a pretty good understanding of how I want to start and how I want to finish the mix in terms of the overall vibe, I then start filling the gaps by finding matching tracks using tempo information and musical keys for harmonic mixing. This is one of the main differences between studio mixes and DJ sets on the gigs, which I'll go over in a minute. In the studio, I have the time to polish every transition and I'm certainly trying to do so. And a very few words about harmonic mixing. For those of you who may not heard of it, it's a technique that many DJs use to find tracks that sound musically good together. It's often presented in a form of a wheel with music notation and you can google it Camelot wheel if you want to find more. I'm using that technique too and I can recommend it to most beginner DJs or any DJs for that matter. However, I want to give a little caution to not over-relying on this technique. Harmonic mixing is a great as a starting point to learn how to make good sounding transitions, but it's not the only way. Sometimes I make amazing transitions, which formally speaking would be labeled as incorrect if viewed strictly from the Camelot wheel perspective. As they say, to break the rules, it's good first to know the rules. So to summarize, first, during the month I'm looking for new tracks and end up with about 15 new arrivals, which I use as a starting pool for my new mix. Then I see what of those tracks can be played together based on their styles, tempo range, etc. Then I figure out which track can work as an opener, which as a filler, which as a closer, and so on. Then I fill the gaps by searching for missing pieces in my DJ collection or going to another round of online music shopping. And then I work on the transitions using harmonic mixing technique to mix them together and build up a nice and smooth progression. And that is pretty much how I build studio mixes, like my monthly radio show Rave Podcast, for example. Now let's talk about the second category of sets which I mentioned in the beginning, which is the DJ sets on the gigs, club nights, festivals and other kind of music events. And this type of sets is a completely different story. The way I think about building up a set for a particular gig starts long before I step into the DJ booth. One of the first things I do when I have a new gig request is doing research. What's the venue? What's the crowd? What's the lineup? What other DJs are playing before and after my set? What's my role? Am I the headliner? Am I the warm-up DJ? Am I the closing DJ? All those things help me to get a decent understanding of what kind of music I will need for that particular event. Just to make it clear, I don't pre-plan my sets. For example, there are DJs who literally write down the tracklist in advance and then play basically pre-selected sets for real with the exact track's order. I don't do any of that. I prefer to read the crowd and go with the flow, which is of course much more challenging but also rewarding. When I prepare my music for expert to a USB stick, I think of playlists rather than specific tracks. For instance, do I need a deep trance playlist? Or do I need a dark and pounding techno playlist? And so on. For example, if I were to play an opening set, although I mostly play at peak time, but let's say I'm playing at the beginning of the event, then I definitely don't need the most banging tracks on my USB sticks like hard techno or full-on psychedelic. As a general rule of thumb, I take about 100 tracks on my USB stick per hour of my set. For a 2-hour set, that would be 200 tracks on my USB stick, for a 3-hour set, that would be 300 tracks, and so on. Of course, I end up playing only a handful of those tracks, while the rest serve me as extra tools for handling different dance floor situations. It's like packing for a travel. You start with the obvious things, like the duration and the purpose of the travel, whether it to be a 2-week vacation or a short business trip and so on, and so you plan accordingly. Then you might also bring some just-in-case items like umbrella or a cocktail dress and things like that. 
You're not necessarily going to need those items, but many of us pack extra little things like that just in case. So when it comes to exporting music to a USB stick when I'm preparing for a DJ set, that's pretty much the same thing. As you can see so far, even in the preparation stage, this type of DJ set is very different from the studio mixes. While for studio mixes I use my new music findings as a starting pool, for DJ sets at the events the key is to get a pool of music that is appropriate for the particular event and my specific role at that event. Of course that music can also be freshly released, but I'd say it's less more important in this case. Strangely enough, some older overlooked releases can bring more novel experiences to the dance floor than some of the latest hits, so I dig my collection not only online music stores. So that was the preparation. Now let's say I'm on stage at the DJ booth, how do I decide what to play and when I make that decision? I always try to arrive at the event at least a few hours before my set. This is not only to ensure that I can make a proper technical checkup, but also to listen to what other DJ before me playing and to see the crowd. And just to remind you, the question was how I build up my sets and one might think, what does it all have to do with building sets? And well, it has everything to do with that. Let me give you a few practical examples from my experience. I remember at one event I was playing second after the opening DJ and that DJ played wild. It was extremely fast, extremely pounding and of course the crowd wasn't ready at all. It's that time of the event when people are still coming in, they meet their friends, they go to the bar and so on. So by the end of that DJ set, people were still standing around the dance floor but no one wanted to step in because the music was too pounding for the empty dance floor. So when we switched over with that DJ, I had to completely reset the energy. And to do so, I chose the first track with a very long intro, it was almost like two minutes of basically just ambient sound. And that instantly gave people a cue that the next set was going to be different. So when the beat started at a much slower tempo, the people suddenly started dancing. Here is one more example. At another event, I was playing a headlining set, and as a warm-up DJ before me was a guy with a live set. And it was like a real proper live set with plenty of controllers and synthesizers around. And as it often happens with producers on the stage, he got so immersed in rotating the knobs on his gear that he completely lost and got disconnected from the crowd, so the people were bored. You can tell when people are just standing and looking at the clock waiting for the next DJ to arrive. So at that moment, I knew that I must start people dancing as quickly as possible, otherwise we would completely lose the dance floor. And probably the last thing they wanted to hear at that moment was a long ambient intro. So knowing that, I chose the first track with no intro at all, with that grooving beat starting almost immediately. And guess what? The dance floor came to life. I hope examples like that provide you with a good reason why it's crucial to stay flexible with your music selection and be open to adjusting on the fly. As you might have noticed during this conversation, I pay a lot of attention to the track's energy levels. What those energy levels are and how I define them is something that's probably worth a separate discussion, so I'm not going to go deeper on this now. But I just want to mention that energy level is a pretty tricky thing. For example, certain tracks with a lower tempo might have a higher energy level than the tracks with a higher tempo. So it's not only about the BPM. And while for studio mixes I always like to increase the energy throughout the mix, as I explained earlier, for DJ sets it's not always the case. The key takeaway from here is that I'm using energy levels very intentionally while building up my sets and this is the number one parameter, if you will, that I consider for my track selection during the set. So that is pretty much how I build up my sets. There are of course many more nuances, but I hope answer the question at least in a general contour. And this wraps up the free portion of this episode. As I mentioned in the beginning, this is only a preview. If you like what you heard and you want more of it, please consider supporting me on Patreon where you can listen to the full Ask Me Anything episodes. For example, in the full version of this episode I answer two more questions, one of which is about the playlists in my DJ collection and the other one is about my opinion on the current trance scene and I think both are pretty interesting too. 
Of course, besides the full episodes of Ask Me Anything, my Patreon subscribers have many more benefits, such as access to my entire DJ collection, organized by 90 playlists on Spotify, our community chat where we share recent music findings and discuss things, my full discography and mixes archive available for download, early access to monthly radio show Rave Podcast, and many more. If it sounds interesting to you, please head over to patreon.com slash daniellesden. I'll put a link in the show description. And of course, feel free to ask me anything as the title of the show suggests. As I said, this is the pilot episode, so we'll see how many more episodes there will be depending on how many questions you ask and based on your general feedback. So please don't hesitate to post your questions in the comments or whatever platform you're listening to at the moment, or you can use a special link for question submissions that I'll put in the description. Well, bye for now, and I'll see you next time.